Welcome to What Have We Learned? Incidental Learnings by Interesting People. I'm Ben Panto. You can follow our Facebook page. You can find us at facebook.com slash what have we learnt. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Ben Punter. Yes, that really is my name. So this is the first of two episodes on beer and business. And we start with Lucy Doe, who is the owner of the Dodo Micropub in Hanwell, West London. And you can find it on Boston Road, which is near the Hanwell Clock. Uh, and we talk about starting a small business, opening a small business, the ups and downs that come with it, the fear, the beer and the future. This is What Have We Learnt with Lucy Doe. Lucy, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Uh, as we sit here, um, we uh, on a cold February morning, well, cold February afternoon, afternoon, afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, across the road is what was, was it like a Lidl? Wix. It was a Wix. Lidl's still here in Hamwell. Right. But the Wix, uh, the Wix is now gone. It's completely flattened. Yeah. Demolished. Is that going to be, are you aware, aware of what's going to be there now? Yeah, so it is some very trendy luxury apartments. Okay. Um, which I believe a small percentage is supposed to be for social housing. Yeah. But you know the deal with that. Let's see. You always hear that. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's sociable housing. It's sociable housing. It's affordable housing. Yeah. And it's like, and you look at it and think, oh, no one can afford that. No, no one can afford I 100% that. I 100% cannot afford them. Them. <laughs> Are you worried at all about that at all? now uh as a resident of hamwell it looks really nice like much better than wix that was there before that wix was handy um and i'm not Mm anti-development people need houses i get that from a business perspective i would say there is always going to be a bit of worry that the the commercial properties that they have on the ground floor of that development so it's going to be first layer commercial and then I think it's four or five stories of residential will affect rents and business rates in Hamwell and this business is a small business and only really works because the rates and rent is reasonable currently so that's a concern, but yeah. fr- from a residential point of view and from somebody who just wants to enjoy their time living in Hanwell, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing who's coming in and what sort of places are going to pop up and meet new people. Yeah, but that's kind of also a concern for, I don't know, a year maybe, in a year's time? Uh, I have no idea how quickly it will take. Mm. They have to go into the ground to do underground parking and then go up. But oh, okay. Oh, it's underground parking yeah. as well. I've got I mean, it is, as we're looking at it now, right now, it is flat ground yeah it is I, I was quite I, I, there's something this is a, a diversion completely but I'm quite fascinated by seeing a building and then it's not there and it's just flat yeah like, how do you do that I'm yeah. just fascinated by that but as we say, sit here February 2020 Wix is gone it's flat yeah obviously the dodo anyway we're in the dodo we um, and we and we have a pint. We do have. Well, I have a half. You have pint. a half. <laughs> so this is what I've got here. This so is this is Manning Brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Charmin, and it's a golden ale. Golden but ale. they actually call it a passion fruit pale ale because okay. it does have a hint of passion fruit about it. Where are the Charmins? Oh no, where are Manning beers from? Mm, that is a good question. Up north somewhere. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Might say on there. Oh, ooh. oh, you, you can taste passion fruit in that one. It's not, it's subtle, it's not... Yeah, so I think they get that from the hops used and not because they've added any passion fruit in it. Mm. Which is why I decided not to put a passion fruit pale ale up on the board because some people won't get that flavour at all. Yeah. Just go, oh. There's a nice rise of fruit, not fruit beers, but like pale ales with fruit infusions on yeah. them. Which yeah. are, certainly when the summer months come around, they're really nice. It's just very refreshing to have a, a beer that isn't just like 
hops or malt or barley. Yeah. It's got a bit of just a little bit of something else. Um, anyway, so let's talk the dodo. Um, what's the difference between a micro? The dodo is a micro pub. Yeah. What's the difference between a micro pub and a micro brewery? So micro breweries brew their own beer. Mm-hmm. Micro pub just sells other people's beer. Okay. Uh, I mean, we did do a collaboration beer, so we have brewed sort of our own beer, but I don't have a brewery on site. Was it was it going always going to be a micro pub, or was it was it an element of oh, I can do a micro brewery as well? For me, I always wanted it to be a micro pub mm-hmm. because I can drink and enjoy beer and talk about beer but I don't think my skills lie in brewing beer although I'm really good at the cleaning bit about brewing well you say you say skills don't lie in brewing you brew the the dodo weird beard pale yeah which is really really good yeah and actually that beer did work really well commercially for weird beard plus here so yeah let's maybe give myself a pat on the back (laughs) for that one but um no I I mean to stretch myself into brewing plus doing this like it would just be too much so mm. I like collaborating like this year I want to collaborate with other breweries yeah. I would love to do more collaborations uh, but I don't want to have a brewery myself okay so let's go to the beginning how did you get to where we are now how did you get here I was made redundant mm-hmm. in 2015 and I always knew I wanted to be my own boss but I just had a lot of really stupid ideas of what that might look like. And none of those ideas made any sense when I actually sat down and did a business plan because they didn't make any money. (laughs) Um, Or they didn't really excite me enough. So I was like, ah, well, I'll just put it on the back burner for a bit longer. Then I went to a micro pub and I loved it. And I was like, ooh. Which one? The Just Reproach in Deal, Kent. So if anybody hasn't been to Deal in Kent, it's a very nice little micro pub. But it just was really eye-opening. Like, you look at it from the outside and you think, oh, no, we're going to get, like, that whole EastEnders thing when you go into the Queen Vic and the piano stops. I thought it was going to be like that. (laughs) And this was back in 2014 where um, dealing Kent was, like, proper Nigel Farage territory. And I had actually experienced racism for the first time in a long time in dealing Kent. So I was like, okay, this is not going to go down well, like a, a, a small Asian lady rocking up to this weird little local pub and it was the opposite of that had all of my preconceptions like smashed and the owner was so so lovely and warm and welcoming we met some of the locals as well who were hilarious and we just left and we were like wow why are there no micro pubs where we live and that's how it really started was it always going to be Hanwell as well so it was either Hanwell or Northfield <laughs> so I've always lived west always mm-hmm. well apart from when i moved away for uni um so it was always going to be close to where i live yeah because it kind of made sense because running a small business yeah. you need to be there quite a lot um but yeah northfield's made more sense initially because the footfall is better it's got more of a vibrant high street it's got loads of eating out options mm-hmm. and not a lot of drinking out you've got the plow yeah you've got the plow on one end and foresters on the other so both really good pubs but both really good Big scale pubs. Yeah. So they're both Fullers. I think the Foresters is Fullers, isn't it? Uh, it might be Young's. Okay. I might be. I'm, I'm willing to be completely wrong on that as well. Um, but I used to, I used to live in Northfields down by the plough as well. So, and then it changed. I think around about 2012, mm-hmm. they completed. They, they gutted the place and they took all the old dark wood out. Yeah. And it became this 
kind of modern style yeah. gastro bar. It's very, it has a air of gastro about it. But it's, I think they've kind of found their feet a bit more of, oh, it's now a gastro family pub and they'll put jazz nights in and they'll put, the, you know, they focus on carveries or Sunday roasts and a big, big garden. Yeah. So it's a big, big family pub. But I think they lost quite a lot of business when they decided to completely redesign it. Yeah. I think they lost a lot of footfall for that as well. And there's nothing wrong with those big pubs, but mm. wanting to, always knowing it was going to be a micro pub, they're distinctly different. So yeah. they're not tied to Fuller's, for example. You know, we've got freedom to stock whoever we want and showcase like really exciting breweries. Mm. So um, uh, it would work. And obviously there is a micro pub in Northfields which does work really well. So I think those guys got their... And on that plot, which is really good because there's a flat above, which kind of, I, from what my understanding, is kind of pays for the rent of the actual commercial property. Oh, this is the Owl and the Pussycat, right? Yeah, the yeah, Owl and yeah. Pussycat. Um, so then my attention's turned to Hanwell. But Hanwell has the community aspect mm. behind it. So there's a real community feeling about Hanwell. It's like London's last village. Like people genuinely say hello to you when you walk past <laughs> them in the street. Uh, and people really get behind small businesses and independence here. So that's why Hanwell really works. And so you, you go to Kent and you see this microbrewery, micro, micro pub, and where do you then go from there to deciding this is what I want to do and then to making it happen? Uh, small baby steps is probably the best way. So the redundancy in 2015 was the kick up the bum that I needed mm-hmm. to actually make me do it properly. Uh, so when I was made redundant, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of time out and I'm going to think about this properly. And I did take a bit of time out and I thought about it properly and started putting together the business plan. Yep. From then, I realised that I needed way more money than I had <laughs> currently available to me. And that's getting like a, a nice lump sum of redundancy package um, from that workplace that I was at. So I had to go to Virgin Startups. Okay. So um, they offer startup loans, funding to people who have got business ideas. They actually helped with getting things going. So they basically put you in touch with a business advisor, tear your business plan apart, ask you what feels like a million and one questions, and you feel like you're sweating profusely, <laughs> like in, you're in a dragon's den situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, yeah, yeah, really hard, because obviously I've never done anything like that before. But then they... Um, Every step of the way, they basically ask you more questions just to double check that the money they're going to give you is obviously going to yeah. be returned to them. And you thought it all through. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you've thought of every single, like... Look and crowny way. Exactly. Yeah. So when I, I remember the business plan, I think I'd only accounted for me working in the business every day. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, alarm bells. Like, that, that's not physically possible. Like, you need to think about staffing. So then I added staffing and all that sort of thing. Um, they gave, you, gave me the money after I'd found a premises. So... The initial stages of the Virgin startup saying, yes, we agree to this amount of money. Actually, I can say the amount of money. It was £25,000 from Virgin startup. So not a small amount of money, a huge amount of money. Um, But you need to find a premises. You need to secure the licence and the planning permission that is required to get this up and running. So off I go. And it's a really fun, like story of serendipity i was at an ealing business expo Mm -hmm. and i was talking to the ealing council regeneration team about this idea and they were like oh you need to speak to my landlady a lady called june martin and i was like okay how do i get contact her i went off on my lunch break i emailed her immediately and then gave her just a breakdown of what i'm planning on doing 
then because I was so excited and like, yeah, I'm going to flip and do this, I went back to the regeneration team in the afternoon and I said, oh, I just want to double check I've got her email correct. Yeah. It's this. Mm-hmm. And she was standing next to me oh, no. and she went, <laughs> Lucy Doe. And yeah. I went, yeah, June Martin. And then she was like, give me five minutes. We'll have a quick chat about your email. Oh, awesome. So that was really weird. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, not to sound too woo about it, but I was like, oh, that's a positive sign. Like, that doesn't normally happen. And then I just kept in touch with her every step of the way. And um, she was really patient when we went through a lot of delays. So planning was really delayed. It should take a maximum of three months. I think in total, it was eight or nine months to get everything signed off. What was the kind of, what were, what were the things that you were planning? So this used to be a cafe. Yeah. And to change it into an alcoholic venue, you go from A1 license to A4 license. Okay. And that is a planning application to Ealing Town Hall, uh, Ealing Town Planning, yeah. Um, so that's one permission you need. And then a separate department in Ealing Council, and obviously these departments don't talk to each other, <laughs> is licensing. Yes. So to sell alcohol, I need a premise license for this situation. Yeah. So that was a whole different set of delays. So we dealt with planning who didn't really want this to be turned into from a retail outlet into, I, I guess, what would you call it, hospitality. Yeah. Because they had a really silly rule that said, that this strip of high street, which is really secondary high street, or third world high street, as I like to call it, because there's really nothing on this high street, um, (laughs) apart from an excellent fish and chip shop. um, And here, obviously. Uh, They they were like, oh no, we can't have it turned into anything else other than retail. So then I tried to work my way around that and say, well, we are going to do retail because we do off-site sales as well of alcohol. Uh, but they weren't really happy with that. So that took a lot of back and forth trying to persuade them that this was the right thing to do for Hamwell as a town centre and the vibrancy of Hamwell. Yeah. So licensing, we had a lot of objections, a lot. So um, for licensing, you put your license application live, you pay an extortionate amount of money for that, plus you have to put a really archaic public notice in your local newspaper, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure no one's ever going to read. Mm. But Just the same like microbrewery, like micropub on the way. Yeah, it just says, you know, Company name, person applies for a license, etc. So um, you case, go is, that, is that in case someone objects to it? Yeah, oh, you have yeah. to allow. So there's a public consultation period. So you have to allow 28 days for people to respond to your application, right. and people responded. Really? Yeah. So community, that's, that's the sort of the up and down of community yeah, at the same time. Yeah, that's the downside of having a tight knit community because mm. basically it took a person, I would say to go round to all of their neighbours and to everybody to whip up a campaign against the Dodo Micropub. Really? Because a lot of the objections that I could see, because they're all public sphere, um, were basically copy and paste of each other. And and there were really funny things, well, funny now, but not funny at the time, but really funny things like, oh, there's going to be blood and glass outside every night and, you know, protection against children. Like, uh, you can't have people hanging out on the street because children are going to be scared to walk on the pavement. Like, things... That's based on their experiences of other pubs. Yeah. yeah. And Hamwell does have some questionable pubs. Yeah. Uh, with some issues like that. So I could, I can understand the fear that comes from those objections, but they were based on a, a belief not an, and not a truth. Mm-hmm. So in the end, we had to go to a licence hearing, which basically just means there's a legal team, the police, the objectors and me, 
and you just sort of thrash it out and fight your case for and against. Okay. Um, so this is the question which comes from Bieber, which kind of think is relevant in this section. Um, what's more challenging, overcoming the fear of starting a business or actually starting a business? I think for me, I didn't really have a fear because I always knew I wanted to do yeah. my own thing. Yeah. Because I just didn't really get on with office life. I can see why fear would be. I mean, fear for growing my business, I would say, is, is horrible. Like, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> really real. So fear is real, and I imagine a lot of people deal with that. But for me personally, it was never the fear. It's, it was the starting. It was the, like, remembering how stressful that whole process of doing those applications was. That was hard. How worse, what's the worst it gets, fear-wise? Uh, or the hardest it gets? The hardest is, is normally it sounds a bit woo, but like mentally, mm -hmm. when you're fearful of putting your business out there, putting yourself out there and knowing, oh, I could do this, it will make my business grow and, and open up opportunities. It, it, the fear stops you from doing that. The fear makes you think that you're not worthy. The fear makes you think that you're a tiny little fish that no one gives a shit about. It's a fear of rejection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My greatest fears in life, I think, are... Uh, yeah, rejection. Being rejected for, <laughs> for the things you want to do. Yeah, right? and, and fear of failure. So mm. those two things are will, will stop you in your tracks. And then will just turn your head into a, a not a pleasant space. Mm. And that's just something you have to work through. Uh, so where did the name The Dodo come from? So my surname is Doe. Yeah. So it's a nod to the family name because okay. my parents are just exceptional people in my eyes. So um, immigrants from Vietnam worked their flipping socks off to raise a family of four kids and to support us and get us to where we are now. And then also Dodo because micro pubs in particular, where we reject the notion of big pubs, so like no TVs, um, no music, everybody comes in to have a conversation, meet people, make new friends, uh, is bringing it back to what pubs used to be in the good old Victorian Edwardian days. Yeah. Was there ever a alternative name you had for it or was it always going to be and it's, was it like from day one it's always no it's the dodo I'll fight them on this it was always going to be the dodo because so previous to this I was in marketing I had the logo in my head oh, from okay. day one yeah. I always wanted like a really natural history looking illustration of a funny looking bird yeah. so it was always going to be the dodo so you opened what 2015 2017, January 2017. Oh, you quit 2015, yeah. started 2017. What, so what were your, and this is a big one, so what were your expectations before you opened and what was the response once you opened? Expectations before I opened, I thought nobody would care about a new venue, opening up, selling independent craft beer and pushing a community agenda. Um, and I thought I would have to really struggle to get people on board and in through the door. The reality was our first year was mental mm -hmm. and people showed up a lot, <laughs> uh, which meant it was just really exhausting and I never had time to like think yeah. in the first year. Like the support was so unreal that it just flew by at breakneck speed. And is that, does that also come from the... Uh, the not just the community of Hanwell, but also the community of alcohol fans, craft beer fans, camera fans in this kind of area. Because you've got 
the likes of you know the plow and the foresters and the one on the high street then you've got the beer festival itself mm. it's quite a, the area is quite a tight little knit triangle of alcohol <laughs> alcoholics <laughs> <laughs> i've never used that phrase ever i've never said those words before but it's just quite it's like when there's something changed oh there's a bit there's a brewery coming or there's a there's a micro pub coming people go and go we must go we must yeah. venture we must see what it's like and that's also part of the reason why i chose to enter this industry i think because you've got your support from local community yep. the people who live li- literally live around the corner and want to go somewhere local and support local you've got the support from the wider beer community so people who will i like to call them beer tourists so they travel to mm. support a venue because they, they you know feel part of it and then yeah the general kind of camera support as well I mean, camera were the first people through the door on our opening. <laughs> I mean, they were there before the doors even opened. Um, and the wider sort of borough support in general as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of kind of alcohol support out there. And then on the flip side, what's been the biggest hurdle since you've opened? Oh, there's so many hurdles. <laughs> no, the biggest hurdle... I think trying to persuade licensing and planning in the early days was a huge hurdle, huge, huge, huge. It caused a lot of stress and anxiety because you're asking somebody to really trust your vision and it's not really been done before Mm. and you haven't done it before. Like you go in and you go, oh yeah, I've spent 14 years as a management level in marketing, so yeah, I can do this. And they're like, don't think so. That is a huge hurdle, but ongoing hurdles are always how do you keep people interested and mm. wanting to come back in here? How do you succeed as a business, like make it work? But does it also challenge your marketing background as well? Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm terrible at marketing my own business. <laughs> well, but, with, but with your marketing background, I'm always surprised that the social presence that the Dodo has is what it is. Uh, if it was some, given to someone else to do as a role, as a task, I don't think it'd be the same quality or the same response or the same voice or the same tone. Yeah. The, vo- the tone of voice is definitely... Key? Key. It is me or the team talking when we are posting on social. I guess that's the difference. Is In my former life as a marketing professional, it would be more strategic. It would be, let's look at the stats and statistics, let's plan out the year, let's have this look at this amazing marketing plan, and oh my God, we're going to smash all these goals. Mm. Whereas here, because time is minimal, I don't have... I don't have a marketing plan. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I would fire myself as a marketer if, if, if it was the other way around. But the social side of it is important to us. A, because it's free. It's yeah. free platforms, mm-hmm. which as a small business is hugely uh, beneficial because we have zero budget to do things. Um, and it has to be our voice because it's literally me sitting there oh before I crack into other work, let's just post this and or, you know we want to talk about something. It's a bit more... It's less strategic, I suppose, and a yeah. bit more real time. It's not a business. It's not. It's not. Not say it's not a business. It's not a business voice. It's not a. It's a, it's a face to the business. Yeah. Well, at the same time, um, I was wondering, had you ever have you ever thought what it would be like if you for one week didn't do any social? Would it be like? <laughs> I not, mean, I do. I have done that when I'm oh, really? on holiday. Yeah. So just said, okay, we're 
But then that's also part of the small business story, right? So, for example, the only time I have done it for one week, mm-hmm. I don't even know, was it a full week? I think it was a full week. Mm-hmm. So this Christmas just gone, yeah. we, were, we went full throttle from November. We had an event every single week until Christmas. And then we do New Year's Eve, which is always just mental in here anyway. Um, and then it's time for us to do our annual leave, go quiet. Yeah. So... I made a conscious effort to show everybody how crazy busy, all the fun things that were happening in that time. I showed people like the ugly side. It's like, we're technically on annual leave, but um, Alex and I are in doing DIY and deep cleaning on our days off in inverted commas. They weren't days off, they were really tiring. And then we held a private party for somebody who wanted their birthday in here on our technically day off. Then I said, okay, Shut down time, guys. I'm taking a break. I logged out of all the social media accounts. Yeah. And I didn't come back until January. So, it, but it took me a long... It, I wouldn't be able to do it in year one and year two because I yeah. was such a slave to... The business, the, the brand. business, yeah. The yeah, brand, yeah. building the brand. Oh, my God, the algorithm's going to, like, hate me if I don't post. Yeah. And now I'm like, <laughs> no, I need to take a time out every now and then. Yeah. You know, that you, there's comfort in knowing that at least you can there are reoccurring customers. There's yeah. always going to be people through the door, no matter what you do or don't say, yeah. like in some way. Um, is there ever like a fear then of, if you're taking that break off, if you're, if you're taking January off to, do, to kind of recalibrate, um, is there ever a fear that if you then don't post anything socially, nothing will happen either? Or, is that, or you'll have to then start up again? There's always a fear that the algorithm then turns its back on you and you have to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how algorithms work, by the way, but um, that's just an irrational fear that I have. I think it's changed now. I think it's if you actually take a break, I'm not encouraging you at all. Yeah. The stuff you do is fantastic. Uh, I think if you then take a break and then stop and then you do it again, it'll say, this person's posted for the first time in a while. Yeah. So it actually pushes your new stuff yeah. to the front when you're taking a break, I think. I think that's the algorithm. So if you Instagram, I think. I mean, if I genuinely don't have anything to say in a week, which is highly unlikely because every week there's something fun to say <laughs> yeah, about yeah. this space, um, I don't feel as forced to do it anymore. And it works better if you've genuinely got exciting things to post about rather than just posting for the sake of posting basically means your engagement is going to go down because people are like well what the flip I'm not liking or engaging with this because it's just a pointless post for for posting thing so then you also started collaborating with Weirdbeard so how did that collaboration come about so Weirdbeard are obviously down the road from the dodo and they drink in here quite a lot (laughs) quite a lot Uh, sign this um Brian, who is the owner of Weirdbeard, has uh, kindly put it in publications that we're his favourite pub in the area. Mm. So I've never paid or asked for him to do that, but that's what he says, and that's really kind. So we kept on talking about doing something together, and uh, it just never really got off the ground. It was just one of those pub chats. And then finally we turned that, like, Larry pub chat into reality. uh, What was the the time frame between the idea and then the actual reality? Good couple of months, I would say. Okay. Good couple of months. Bear in mind that I probably see them minimum once a week in here. <laughs> so that is quite a long lead time. So it's like, it's like they're coming for you for a, a, a check-up meeting of how their idea or your idea is going. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and f- I think f- for them, 
and for us, no one expected like our collaboration beer to be quite as well received as it was. Like that was super cool. Yeah. Is that what one of your proudest moments? I would say so. Yeah, the party for the launch party for the dodo was uh, up there. Up there. Yeah. I think I referred to it in a blog post once as electric because that's what it felt like. Like mm. I remember physically shaking with excitement because adrenaline like, and adrenaline and, and yeah. like I genuinely thought no one was going to turn up. <laughs> Which I think <laughs> of every single event we put on, I always fear that no one's going to turn up. Um, and then to have like two barrels go in like two hours it's just stupid and what's the history of the normal norm? and what's the state of it now because i think is it sort of ex- has it kind of gone out of circulation or no is it sort of- so we have brewed it three times since so and you know a third batch has just finished so i've literally got my last two casks waiting to go on but i'm gonna assume maybe that they will brew it again or it's time to collaborate either again with Weird Beard or, or with somebody else that I would really love to collaborate with and then yeah. get another beer out there. And then so uh, 2019, you get the Young British Food and Drink Award. Yeah. How did you, how, what's the process for that, for getting oh. that, the entrance of that, and then the, obviously the ceremony? So 2019 was the challenge year for mm-hmm. the Dodo, I would say. Um, a lot of stuff going down. Uh, that made me not want to put myself out there and not to make a name for the dodo. Yeah. Um, if that doesn't sound annoyingly vague for people. Is that, is that in a way, trying, putting yourself out there but not trying to get too big? Yeah. yeah. There was a lot to think about in 2019 and a lot of um, bumps along the way that you had to just firefight and deal with. Yeah. It's probably the best way to put it. Uh, and, and mentally the headspace wasn't good in 2019 because of all these challenges that were thrown in my direction. Um, obviously, being a one-woman business is sometimes quite hard. Uh, so the process of that was, I remember seeing on my beer Twitter, I think it was Melissa Cole, who obviously is huge in beer world and I love to pieces. Mm. Um, this is a great initiative people should start applying for this basically the nominations open up and and you can either be nominated by somebody else or you can nominate yourself yeah so I thought let's just give it a go I'll nominate myself doesn't cost you anything but you put your case forward basically you make an application to say this is why I should win yeah I totally forgot about it and I honestly (laughs) never thought it was anything that I would ever be even shortlisted for right what are the requirements that you need to give what was on the application the requirements are more about your business how you operate it did I put I think there were financials in there I would say the the criteria to win the award is more about the passion or or maybe the person that lies behind the business rather than oh we're hitting you know six figures and we're growing by 57% which part an element of that as well in in the balance of it of the whole thing yeah Yeah. I definitely think like remember putting financials and obviously if you're an unprofitable business then they're not gonna showcase you as a shortlister or uh, allow you to be a winner because that's not a good example of a hospitality business doing well in the world it sounds like it, 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 it sounds like it's a combination of the performance and the person not just one or the other it's yeah. a combination of the two but yeah. it's, you, know, you can meet halfway depending on person and performance yeah. yeah so i remember sitting in the kitchen working getting an email from the ybs 
saying, oh, you've been shortlisted in the alcohol, alcohol category, mm-hmm. we'll be in touch with um, dates for meeting the uh, judges. And I was like, oh, shit. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot about that. And then I just, I literally remember saying to Alex, who's my boyfriend, oh, I forgot about this award, but I've just been shortlisted for the Young British Food and Drink Awards. Mm. Then quickly jumped back on and was like, okay, what have I got myself in for? Like, how <laughs> horrific is this going to be? And... About a month later, I had to go to meet the judges, (laughs) and that was terrifying, quite frankly. They're all incredible people who are huge names in hospitality, people I hugely respect in hospitality. And I think this was why it was so terrifying for me, because this was a hospitality-wide award. This wasn't a a local beer award this not to disregard the fact mm. that I have won local beer awards but this, this was, was this was another step yeah, up this the, was nationwide yeah. bigger platform oh I mean even thinking about it makes me feel a bit sick because <laughs> I was really terrified on that day so went to meet the judges and basically bounded in told them obviously about the Dodo Micropub um but genuinely, and not just saying this, genuinely did not think I was going to win. I had already selected the winner out of the four shortlisters. Yeah. Was it four shortlisters? Yes, four shortlisted people in the alcohol category, which is the category that I won. I thought it was going to be another person, another female in that category. So yeah. if you go back to the categories, you know who I'm talking about. I looked at her and I was like, wow, she is flipping, smashing it. Assuming basically to win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no way I'm going to win against her because she's incredible. So I just sort of, I, and I remember filming an Instagram story because that day was so much fun and the adrenaline was so pumped. I remember filming, I've got it, and it makes me feel a bit sad watching it back, but I remember filming an Instagram story that I never posted where I, said, I was talking about how amazing that day was, like to stand in front of those judges and talk about the dodo. Even that was incredible in my eyes. But saying, I'm not going to win this, guys, because of this, this and this. Ah, is that, so is that why you didn't post it? Yeah, because I thought, actually, it's a bit negative, Lucy. Like, no one really wants to see you, like, self-pitying, like, oh, you know what, she's going to win and I'm not going to win. And maybe they won't believe that I genuinely don't think I'm going to win. So I've got it as a record of, like, okay, you really should have maybe believed in yourself a bit more. But it makes me feel a bit sad that I was so, like, Debbie Downer on myself, thinking Mm. this is never going to happen in a million years. It's a bit like that idea of if you have a negative idea or if you're going to send a negative email or a complaining email, write it but don't send it. It's kind of a bit like that. If you've got a negative post you want to put out, Film it, record it, type it, but don't put it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a good filtering. Pro- and sometimes yeah. I do that with Instagram stories when I'm just ranting about things <laughs> that annoy me in here. And then I go, oh no, nobody really wants to hear you talk about that. Drop. So <laughs> yeah. Then I went to the award ceremony, which was September 2019. I took my best friend along because unfortunately Alex was really ill. And again, I just thought, I'm going to drink all the cocktails <laughs> and have a really good time. And everyone here was like, you need to prepare a speech. And I was like, I don't need to prepare a speech because I'm not going to win. It's going to be fine. And then, lo and behold, I won. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Now I have to say something coherent. And how many how many drinks were you in by that time? Uh, I think I had three cocktails, which for me is quite a lot. Okay. I was merry, one hundred percent merry. And when I look back at like the professional photos that the awards gave me, you can't tell. Oh, you can't. No, you can't. You, I've seen. Like, is, is it like this weird? This, the award ceremony is at the top of a staircase. Yeah, it's huge very yeah. fancy as hell. Yeah. The most fancy thing I think I'm ever going to go to is great. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of my shoelaces is undone. I just feel really like dishevelled when I look at that picture because I just like oh, I just basically smashed those cocktails and thought, yeah, I'm just going to have a good night out. Yeah, 
it, that's fun now. Looking at that photo again, I'll look at look at that photo again <laughs> and think yeah, she's a bit drunk there. Not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not drunk, not drunk, a bit drunk. Hammered, hammered. Yeah, a little bit merry on that one. Um, so, what's the future for the dodo? The future for the dodo. I always, from day one, said I wanted another dodo. Ooh. Not another. Do- I wouldn't call it dodo. A second too. location. A second location, because I believe in what this thing is like I believe in the fact that it's built a community like enable people to to make connections and, and make genuine human connections yeah. I would love to have another one currently that is quite out of sight though so um I could go to investors and and try and pitch that but I'm a bit of a control freak <laughs> it start it kind of starts the the fear all over yeah, again in some yeah. way yeah and I have to be like ready for that fear plus I'm too controlling and I'm like okay if I can make dodo this dodo current dodo work it socks off yeah. or as some wanky business people like to use the phrase wash its own face um, <laughs> okay then I can take the money that this one is making and turn it into another one but yeah. that's a whole kettle of fish and I remember going to a pub show this year, actually, and talking, well, seeing other pub owners talk, and they always, always say, the jump from one to two is the worst. Okay. When you've got 10, you're absolutely fine, because you know what you're doing, and you've been able to take that step back and, and put the structures in place for that. Yeah. But one to two is just mental, so you have to be fully prepared for that. And I'm not fully prepared is the, yeah. is the right answer now. Would it be even called the dodo again, or like the dodo no. two? It's like, it's a, no. you need Because you, like, you can't have two dodos, it's... it's like, I don't think it would work. It no. be something else. The front runner in my imaginary world of what it would be called is the passenger pigeon because it's another extinct bird. Mm. So it would follow the same format because obviously, remember, I thought about the logo before I thought about anything else because that's how my mar- ex marketing brain works. So the passenger pigeon is like the front runner currently. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's a weird and terrible name for a drinking venue. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean,. Annoyingly, it's like uh, the idea of now we're getting into sort of marketing talk. Now, the idea of it being a, a chain of pubs or breweries that have a bird theme, each one with a different theme, you know, a different extinct bird theme, is great. But then you think, well, you'd be, but if you think what people would call it, that like, oh, I'm going down to the passenger for a drink, or yeah. I'm going down to the pigeon for a drink, yeah. they're not going to say I'm going down for the passenger pigeon. No, it's a bit long. It's too long. So well, maybe we'll find another extinct bird that's mm. short, like the dodo. I, I think that's the I think the dodo is you can just say that I'm going down the dodo. Yeah. There's no, you can't really, you can't shorten it to anything no. else. As much as I'd like people to shorten to my actual surname, going down the dodo, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you can start it. <laughs> and so finally, what have you learnt? What have I learnt? I have learnt that if you want to go into business, you need to be really resilient. <laughs> I have learnt that I should believe in myself more. That was the big takeaway point from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop beating yourself up over things and start believing in your abilities and achievements. And I have also learned that human beings are really bloody marvellous. Like some of the moments that happen in here, I always think, gosh, I wish I had like a YouTube channel and I was filming that because that just makes great viewing because it's so magic. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really cheesy, but it, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've learned that by and large, humans are excellent. Lucy, thank you very much. Thank you.